you are Locked On Cowboys, your daily Dallas Cowboys podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On. Locked On. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can follow me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today, as always, is Landon McCool. You can check him out on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can also listen to him on the Best Coast Boys podcast. Landon, what is going on, sir? Not much. Uh, it's uh, Twitter Tuesday, so it's time to kind of interact with the fans, see what the questions are. Uh, hopefully there's no questions about uh, uh, unpaid internships because uh, that's uh, apparently been a hot topic on Twitter. We're going to avoid that and uh, talk about uh, some very highly paid football players. Instead. Yes, yes. Let's do that instead. That's a much easier topic for to, you know for discussion on this podcast. So let's start with a, a bigger topic, Landon, uh, not Twitter questions first, but Gerald McCoy, uh, according mm. to Mike Fisher of 105.3 The Fan, uh, it sounds like there's a lot of mutual interest between the Cowboys and Gerald McCoy. Uh, as you remember, the Cowboys signed McCoy to a three-year contract last year. He got hurt, what was it, on the first or second day of training camp, yeah. never played a snap. Uh, he was rehabbing in Dallas. He was mentoring some of the other defensive tackles despite not being on the roster. So, First and foremost, does it surprise you that there's any interest here uh, from McCoy and the Cowboys? No, I mean I think there's a lot of convenience there, right? I mean, you know, Dal- he's he's living in Dallas now. Um, he uh, he clearly was very gung ho about signing with Dallas when he did. I mean, I think he grew up. Uh, he's from the Dallas area, or he, I mean, actually, I think he's from Oklahoma City, but he grew up a Cowboys fan. Um, and you know, so I guess he's kind of in the part of his career where he he probably just wants to play where he wants to play. Um, yeah. You know, so I t- understand the McCoy side of things, um, even even though the Cowboys also kind of uh, used an injury loophole to kind of deny him some money. I think he understands that this is a business and that was uh, a move to kind of make sure that they had the, the cap money that they needed to make sure that the roster was filled after he was gone. Uh, you know, from the Dallas point of view. Uh, I, I think that you know the the thing that's really going to be the the kind of sticking point here is the money. Uh, you know, he's, he's another year older. He's uh, another year closer to his uh, his retirement. Um, you know, he was already kind of an older player. I mean, he's definitely on the back nine of his career yeah, for sure. He, he he is he. And we talked about this last night when he got signed. He he has kind of transformed his game to a large degree. I mean, he's not the explosive three technique that he was early in his career. He's become mm-hmm. uh, a little bit more savvy with his technique and that's helped with combined with kind of a natural athleticism that even, even as it fades, he still, you know, can utilize that with good technique and, and produce. Uh, but, you know, the question is, is like, is that, you know, that's, it, it feels like a stopgap, you know, to a large degree, how much of an improvement are you going to get with Gerald McCoy uh, in a rotation with, uh, with Hill and, and, and Gallimore that those are all kind of, uh, it's kind of difficult math that you have to, to, to think about there, because I think for the Cowboys last year, one of the big things that they, you know, really messed up on was kind of under, evaluating or I guess over evaluating rather uh, the defensive tackle position and where they were going into the season sure. uh, because it sure. was, it was a train wreck and, and, and that isn't all, all about, you know, 
uh, just uh, scheme that isn't just all that there was a personnel problem at the defensive tackle position and they didn't really do anything after Gerald McCoy got injured. Yeah, they really should have. They probably should have went out to the free agent market or explored a trade because Neville Gallimore, Tristan Hill, Don Terry Poe, those guys just weren't good enough to, for the Cowboys, especially early on in the season. So I do agree with you. If McCoy does come back, Landon, is he a day one starter or is he another rotational guy to add in with Tristan Hill and Gallimore? I mean, I think he gets penciled in as the starter just because of experience and, and you know, and, and skins on the wall. But I, I think as far as, you know, ultimately producing as a, as a starter, I, I would want a little bit more. You know, I mean, I, I think if you if you I just think that you can't sign Gerald McCoy and then assume that that you, you solved the defensive tackle. Well, is there any chance that he transitioned into a different role at this stage of his career, more of a, of a one technique rather than an up the field three technique? Is there any chance to that, or is he kind of stuck in that three technique role? You know, I, I mean, I've never really viewed him in that kind of role. Neither I mean, I. I, I, I think he did a little bit of that in Carolina where they were taking on more double teams and doing a little bit more two gapping, you know, kind of doing some different stuff the, the year before he came over here. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I think you can probably view him as a guy who can, can give you some snaps there, like maybe on passing downs and that sort of thing. But I don't think that either way, whether you view him as a one technique or a three technique, that signing Gerald McCoy should preclude you from continuing to try to improve the defensive tackle position. To me, it feels like a placeholder, right? You yeah. sign Gerald McCoy, and if the draft doesn't fall your way, you can probably go into the season with you know those three interior guys as the three technique, and then maybe we'll get more information this year with Neville Gallimore and Tristan Hill, and we'll see just how dire that need is, but – that's that's my one problem, Landon. It feels like a stopgap, but not a yeah. solution, right? And if yeah. we're going to be investing money in the defensive tackle spot, I'd rather find a long-term solution. So uh, I'm not opposed to Gerald McCoy coming back, but it does feel like it's just a Band-Aid on a situation that needs a, a lot of fixing. Yep. Just wanted to take a quick break to tell you guys about Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV with real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it is free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts, and don't forget to use that promo code LOCKED ON. Uh, all right, let's go ahead and get to your Twitter questions, and we've got some really good ones. Uh, the first one comes from at Dak is the guy. First of all, fantastic Twitter handle. I agree. Uh, this one is Richie Grant seems to be all of our favorite safety. The the guy from Central Florida who we talk about on just about every show. But can you guys discuss some other guys that you would like in the second round in case the Cowboys uh, happen to skip them or get drafted ahead of them? So f- second round targets for the Cowboys outside of your guy Richie Grant. Well, uh, there are some other safeties that uh, you know that that uh, could be there. Morag could be there. Uh, Javon Holland, who is a, a kind of a defensive back, you know, cornerback safety from uh, uh, Oregon, who you know is kind of one of the uh, opt-out guys and, and had some uh, uh, you know th- th- has that kind of mixed into his evaluation. Um, you know, I, I, there's a couple different guys that I think 
it's tough to kind of narrow, <laughs> narrow down who's going to be there, right? Uh, is a guy like Terrell Basham going to fall mm-hmm. in the second round of 44? Is, you know, I think, you know, you start looking at some of the defensive ends who may be there. Um, you start thinking about what defensive tackles may be there. I mean, it's probably too late at 44 for Barrymore, but it's not, but it might be also too early for a guy like Ali McNeil. So mm-hmm. uh, you, you, you kind of, I think you look at the positions that, uh, you know, the thing about 44 is that it's going to be so rich and deep with players that uh, probably are appealing to you that really you're, you're going to have maybe four to five, maybe six players who probably have all similar grades, you know, that, that uh, are playing at a variety of different positions. So you, you may, uh, kind of look at positions where you know that you have a need uh, because you you may very likely have a, a very highly rated player uh, at that position staring you in the face. So uh, I think a lot of it is going, you know, I know people don't want to hear this, but I think a lot of it also depends on who gets picked at 10. Um, but I think that if you look at the 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 way this draft, I mean, if you just kind of go through simulations and you look at the way this, this draft is going, 44 is a really sweet spot to pick uh, just because that's where the, the kind of talent lines up with value very, very well. Uh, so I think there's going to be a lot of options for the Cowboys, whether it's uh, uh, a linebacker like uh, Bolton from Missouri mm-hmm. or uh, that's somebody Brown. I was going to bring up. Like that's a guy that I could easily see being available at 44 who maybe doesn't start day one with for you because of Jalen and Leighton Vander Esch, but 2022 day one starter at weak side linebacker. I, I could certainly see that. Jabril Cox is another guy too. Yep. I think he's kind of in that mold of, of a linebacker who could come in and definitely give you some snaps on nickel packages as a coverage guy, as a coverage linebacker, uh, as an overhang defender. Uh, and then it can eventually, you know, kind of develop into that starting full-time linebacker if you decide to move on from Leighton or, or Jalen next year. So uh, I think there's a lot of different uh, spots that you can go, and 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 you can also throw into offensive tackle if you wanted to. And I think you, there's there's going to be some offensive tackle value uh, around there. You know, Tevin Jackson and some of these guys. Uh, Tevin, Jenkins. Tevin Jen- Jenkins. I get the I get the him and the defensive end mixed up. The yep. Ohio, uh, Oklahoma State offensive tackle. Uh, I think he's a guy that you, if you wanted to, you could draft him, and he could be a plug-and-play right tackle for you if you wanted to consider moving Lael to inside the guard or something. So, um, yeah, I think 44 is really, you know, we don't talk about that pick as much yet. I mean, because we're, we're kind of just getting to the part sure. of the draft free sure. eight, the draft eight season when we start talking about the, the second and third round picks. But uh, I think for the Cowboys, 44 is going to be a, a, a pick with great value and a lot of really great options. Uh, I was actually doing a mock draft simulator today, Landon, and Zayvon Collins, the the linebacker from Tulsa, was available in the early part of the second round. So not pick 44, but that is somebody who we know the Dallas Cowboys like that I could very Mm -hmm. easily see them, hey, if they have to surrender their comp third round pick to go from 44 to let's say 36 to go get him. I could see that because that's a that's a super talented linebacker. Would not be surprised at all if that's if the Cowboys wouldn't consider a small trade up from 44 to 34, 35, 36 to get a player that's potentially a first round graded player for them. Like uh, again, uh, there's a lot of options. Um, Levi Onsarike from Washington, yeah. the defensive tackle. That wouldn't surprise me at all. We talked about on yesterday's show. Maybe one of those edge rushers falls to the the beginning of the second round that the Cowboys have a high grade on. We know last year they loved Caleb on Chason. I think Aziz Ojolari from Georgia is a better player. 
Jason yep. Owa from Penn State, a 4-3-3, 40-yard dash uh, edge rusher that needs some work with his technique. I think he's a potential target for the Cowboys as well. So if if you're looking at potential guys for the Cowboys, don't be surprised if they potentially move up early in the second round to get another guy with a first-round grade because I do think you're going to have a lot of talent available to you uh, early on in the second day of the draft. Um, let's get to some other questions, Landon. And we actually had a question from at Vintage Black uh, 151. How on earth are people valuing tight end Kyle Pitts so much for the Cowboys in the first round? And then another person wants to know, why wouldn't we take Kyle Pitts at number 10 if he's the best player available? So a lot of differing opinions here. We've talked about it before. Let's talk about it again. Why should or shouldn't the Cowboys consider uh, tight end from Florida, Kyle Pitts, at number 10? Well, the reason that you do consider him at 10 is because he is he's worth the 10th pick. I mean, he's a he's an incredibly talented, incredibly versatile tight end, you know, probably one of the best receiving tight ends that we've seen come out of college in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he has a kind of balance that he can be, you know, a full-time tight end as you need him, but uh, I think the thing that really is appealing for a guy like this is the kind of mitch, uh, matchup opportunities that you can get uh, with him versus, <laughs> I mean, frankly, whoever they want to try to line up to yeah, cover him. Sure. Um, you know, I, I think for the Cowboys, the, the question is, why would you draft that player when you know you you feel like you're too you deep at tight end? Yeah. You don't. You, you've got you've got wide receivers, uh, skill skill position, and, and, and ball, receivers specifically of, of all varieties. Uh, is is not a position the Cowboys necessarily need, and they have needs all over the place. Uh, you know, I think you can make the argument that Michael Gallup isn't going to be here for the long term. I, I think nope. that we've we've kind of all resigned to the fact that you, you can't afford to keep uh, uh, three wide receivers uh, uh, all highly paid. And, and I think if you're if you're choosing down the road, CD Lamb is probably the guy that you would uh, more we would rather sign. Uh, to a longer, longer, longer contract uh, once his time comes up, but even then the timing doesn't work out, right? So, you know, at this point your kind of supercharged offense that you you're rolling out with Dak is is really just a is a one year proposition. Mm-hmm. You know, next year you you don't have Gallup, you're going to have to figure out the wide receiver position, and 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 you have some solutions on the on on the team and. You know, there's always the opportunity to go and sort draft. of, but I mean, listen, Cedric Wilson is in that same class as Michael Gallup, so he's a free agent. Noah Brown is a free agent, so you're you're losing some of the potential options there as well. Sure, Cedric Cedric Wilson's going to resign for a lot cheaper money, though. If sure, you wanted to resign him as your wide receiver three, but I but and and then on top of that, like I said, I. It's been a couple of years since we've had a bad wide receiver class, you know? Yeah. So I, yeah. I think that clearly wide receivers are rolling out of, of college football more pro ready than they ever have, you know, because of camps, because of a lot of different reasons. So, mm-hmm. but all that brings us back to the fact that Kyle Pitts is a rare talent and uh, a talent that is one of the few, you know, kind of confirmed elite talents in this draft. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you take him at 10, I think that you're not going to have any problems trying to find value for or or, or you know uh, using him. I, I think you clearly would need to do some kind of roster movement. Maybe you think about putting Jarwin or or Schultz on on the trade block and see what you can get for them. Um, but I, I think the reasons for doing it is because you're adding another incredible mismatch player to an offense filled with them, and uh, you've extended your kind of offensive window. 
beyond a Michael Gallup without having to re-sign a guy or or, or go out of the free agent market to kind sure. of you know get a, another guy. So uh, I think that there's certainly arguments for it. I mean, listen, anybody you should be able to make an argument for the best play, player available when he's there. Uh, so I, I and I think that there's a very high high chance that uh, the Cowboys get to ten and and Kyle Pitts is there and that he's the best player available. So you didn't even mention that Dalton Schultz will be a free agent after the 2021 season. It's pretty unlikely that the Cowboys are going to re-sign him despite playing pretty well uh, last year. So again, the, you mentioned the, the reason why we're even considering it is not because this is a T.J. Hawkinson level prospect or a Oh, even an OJ Howard, a David Njoku. The reason why we're even talking about this right now, Landon, is because this is a generational yeah. type of prospect at tight end. I saw Mel Kuyper Jr. from ESPN said the only player that he's given a higher grade to is Kellen Winslow uh, Sr. Uh, wow. Back with the Chargers. So not Kellen Winslow Jr., Kellen wow. Winslow Sr. So it, listen, and it's hard to disagree, right? He, you, we, we've really never seen a six foot six, 245-pound guy that runs like a receiver that has the body control and is also a functional blocker. He's not a great blocker, but it's not like he's uh, an Eric uh, Ebron or he's not a liability there. No, no. He loses slowly, which is fine at the position. Exactly. He just doesn't lose quickly. Um, You're, you're adding somebody onto this offense who is going to make everybody around him better. And I've heard the argument before, well, there's just not enough targets and touches to go around. And that may be the case. But what Kyle Pitts is going to do is he's going to suck in a ton of attention from all these other teams, you know, all the all the other defenders on the team. And that's going to create more one-on-one opportunities for Amari Cooper or CeeDee Lamb or the running back. So he is somebody that improves your offense without even touching the ball. And I think that's why I'm at least interested in Kyle Pitts at 10. I know it's not likely to be the pick. But if you're getting a guy that feels like could be a top three or four tight end within a couple of years in the NFL, it's awfully hard to say no. Yeah, I agree. And again, like you mentioned, uh, uh, production is not all about individual production. It's if they can open things up for the rest of the offense, especially especially a guy like uh, uh, Pitts, where he's operating in the middle of the field. He's operating in, in an area that's difficult to, to be a good receiver. Uh, I, I think those are the kind of things that really can open up the, your enti- the entirety of your offense uh, in a way that, you know, even with Jarwin, who I like a lot, and even with Schultz, who I like a lot, and I think we've got really great tight end duo, uh, Pitts takes that that whole uh, mm-hmm. ability to, to attack the middle of the field to another level. Just one more quick break to tell you guys about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar out there. It's hard to even explain it. It's real chocolate with amazing flavors and a great combination of low calories, high protein, and low sugar with no crazy additives. Best of all, they taste fantastic and they are releasing six new flavors including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, and apple almond crisp. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your first box at BuiltBar.com. All right, here's another question from at arguing underscore Cowboys that I really, really love. And this ties into people doing these mock draft simulators, which are absolutely fantastic, by the way. But uh, I saw a simulator the other day where a team just kept, or somebody on Twitter just kept trading down and trading down, compiling assets. And the question is, Landon, at what point is draft capital too much draft capital in a single year? There has to be a tipping point, correct? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think... 
you know, it's just like the idea that you can't draft in a complete vacuum. You know, uh, mm-hmm. ultimately, at the end of the day, having a whole bunch of draft picks is great in a world where you don't have a 53-man roster, but you do have a 53-man roster. Mm-hmm. You do have a limit on how many players you can hold on to. So um, I, I think it's more important to try to – and especially, you know, the other thing, too, is that you, you look at draft capital, and it's a lot about, you know, uh, a, a bevy of picks – you know, lower than the first round, lower, you know, the second, third day picks. There's a lot of investment that needs to go into just unveiling the talent that you get from those guys. The second and third round picks are are fine, but like later than that, fourth, fifth, sixth round picks, seventh round picks, these are guys that are projects at best, you know, and, and it takes a lot of work to kind of unveil what, what they've mm-hmm. got to offer you as, as NFL prospects. And, you know, I think the Cowboys – uh, at times have and and I think this is kind of you know lends into our conversation about former Cowboys that are playing for teams like the the Chiefs. The Cowboys at times have been victims of their own draft success. Yes. And 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 victims of their own undrafted free agency success because they managed to collect a large amount of talent. Uh, but the problem is is that it's so much talent that and they've got all these kind of unfinished, you know, uh, uh, gems that need to be shined, that need to be cleaned, mm-hmm. uh, that just need like a little bit of work. But there's so many of them that they can't hold on to any all of them, so they have to make hard decisions and cut them and let them go. And sometimes they cut the, the wrong guy. It's you know they get through the process and and they wish they had kept Traverius Ward instead of uh, uh, you know cornerback uh, Alumba or whatever one of the other Bob cornerbacks. Alamba, yeah, 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 that they kept. So I, I think that you know it's. There is something to the idea of kind of the, the the New England Patriots way of doing things, right? Of identifying the guys that are yours, uh, having a very small but very uh, a tight uh, uh, draft board of guys that you think that fit what you're doing, and understanding what you do, and and then and then plugging them in. I, I think with the Cowboys, there is a point where having all those draft picks. It's not that it's a, a negative. It's just that it's it's you not helping you anymore. Yeah, yeah, you, you have, don't have that many roster spots. And really what you're doing is that it's diverting your attention too much from the guys who you probably should be focusing on. I, I would also say the Cowboys are in a different circumstance than a lot of teams because they're actually very good with undrafted free agents, right? A yep. lot of these guys want to come and play for Dallas. So having seven, eight picks on day three really isn't all that advantageous when you're going to get basically your pick of all the undrafted guys. So we've seen over the last decade, the Cowboys have had a ton of success, you know, after the draft uh, rather than their sixth and seventh round picks. So it's one of the things I actually prefer probably quality over quantity when it comes to the top of the draft for the Cowboys, knowing how well they do after the draft where they're undrafted signings. Uh, a couple more questions really quickly, Landon. Uh, this one, how possible and how plausible, plausible is double dipping at cornerback for the Cowboys in the first two rounds? It does feel likely that the Cowboys will probably pick one at number 10, whether that's Patrick Sertan or Caleb Farley. Do you see a scenario in which they could pick a second one in the second round? I think it's possible that they double dip. I, I mean, going one and two would be something else, uh, especially Ex- since you, you especially since you picked one last year. You and know? then you paid I, I, Anthony Brown, right? You have yeah. your slot corner. You have an, a starting outside corner, Trevon Diggs. It, it feels like a little bit of a luxury to, to spend two draft picks there. 
I would say it's much, much more likely that they do a one-on-one with draft and free agency, right? That they okay. sign a guy and then draft a guy, then then double dipping, at least like especially first and second round. That's just really rich to be taking two cornerbacks when you drafted a cornerback in the second round last year. Yes. Uh, so, I, but I mean, I, I, w- I certainly wouldn't be uh, uh, surprised if it was the first and third round, you know, I mean, just, I would not be surprised if they don't do anything in free agency at, at corner that, that they did double dip. I guess because I think that there is a need uh, for talent there, even with Anthony Brown in the house, I think, uh, you know, you probably need to, corners that you're not afraid to put out there and play this next season but i I think that um you know going one and two that would be a little bit rich especially when you have reggie robinson who you drafted in the fourth round last year who i think is going to get a shot at playing corner this year and you're bringing back maurice kennedy who opted out last year so it's another one of those situations where you have a lot of names Uh, i'm not sure going one two is the way to go last question landon this one comes from jake who was a prospect you scouted that you didn't think would be successful in the NFL, but has vastly surpassed your expectations? I will go first, allowing you to think. Terry uh, McLaurin with the Washington football team. Mm. I thought of him as like a fifth, sixth special teams guy. Didn't produce at Ohio State. Did have some speed, but was kind of buried in that depth chart. Should have known it was coming because he went to the Senior Bowl. He dominated. Nobody could cover him. Kind of this slight frame. Uh, got a little bit too tied up into the metrics. Uh, we'll talk about dominator rating on a different show, but he's yeah. somebody who I thought as uh, as a special teamer that's developed into a, a wide receiver one for Washington. So that's a recent miss for me. What about for you? I don't know if I I, I don't know if I'm going to say a specific player, but I definitely have a type that I miss on consistently. <laughs> yeah, I know and, where you're going, and it's power defensive ends, power uh-huh. rush ends. You know, I I think. I just don't love them, you know. I don't love, and, and I think that the 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 line of skill that is required uh, between being a really good power defensive end, uh, you know, I'm thinking of like the Shaq Lawsons, the you know these kind LJ of oversized yeah. L.J. Collier, yeah. I mean, these guys like I, I just it's I just I have a hard time seeing the it that parses the guys who make it and the guys who don't make it. And I, I'm Davis always another one from Auburn last year. I remember. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's guys like that, that I just, yep. I, I have a hard time seeing what the difference is in the prospect coming out of college uh, that makes them, uh, uh, you know, makes one more vi- viable than the other. And, and often I think a lot of what happens there is uh, things that it's hard for us to see, like effort, locker room, you know, mental state how much does he love football those kind of things so i'll, I'll give you another one really quickly please, uh, wide, please. big wide receivers that don't separate like i think laquan uh, treble has scarred me for life for these guys that are win at the catch point that don't create separation i just have such a hard time anymore evaluating these guys because what makes one a first rounder and what makes one a fifth rounder i i don't know anymore it's that's become a, a position that i've really struggled with I think Laquan Treadwell, it, it really messed up a lot of people because I think we had just gotten over that argument of, okay, guys who don't separate can still win in the NFL. And then with all, with that you know, fully in our head, we're like, okay, this Laquan Treadwell can do it then. That's yeah. true. Yeah. And then he completely proves us wrong there. And so it's like now you're again burned uh, trying to go back and, and find those guys who aren't excellent separators. I mean, I definitely have a preference now 
for guys who are clear separators. Yeah. You know, the, the Amari Cooper, Calvin Ridley types uh, that uh, managed to get open. So, um, yeah, I, I think I think that the, that is something, you know, the draft is difficult and, and the draft will play tricks on your mind. If you play, if you've been following it long enough, you, you get into a type, you have your expectations. Someone defies those expectations. So you change them just a little bit. And then another person comes back and reaffirms your original belief right. and you just don't know right. what to believe anymore. Ah, uh, man, the NFL draft. I love it so much. We'll talk more about our hits and misses on a different show, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, that is it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. As always, you can download, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnCowboys. You can follow Landon on Twitter at McCoolBCB. And I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier. And we will see you next time.